0: These, these these dirty hippies coming in here in their costumes to s- sit outside in the sun for three days or four days or a week and do
1: their weird stuff. <laughs> Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Hark, what lies there across yonder hill, nestled mist the piney woods of south-central Texas? Tis the Lone Star State's very own Texas Renaissance Festival, the largest such attraction in the United States. Raise thy flagon and bend thine ear as we talk of its long and storied history. Huzzah! (laughs) But first, what's your favorite Texas non-beer adult
2: beverage? Because we've talked a lot about beer let's, let's yeah. say, talk about not beer
0: yeah well I'll, i've i've had mead and it's not very good uh, so i'm gonna <laughs> go with, uh, i'm gonna go with austin east Cider's Texas honey cider it's a hard cider from the austin east ciders uh, brewing company uh, it is very lovely i can't really drink carbonated beverages very well uh, so the cider has just a touch of carbonation, just a little bit. Uh, and and uh, it's very sweet, very good. I really like it. It's good stuff. You can get it at the mm. Alamo Draft House.
1: Nice. Mm-mm-mm. Well, I think probably people would say, why aren't you talking about Tito's Handmade Vodka? I mean, they're famous. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Uh, you know, it's become this huge thing. But uh, there's a kind of a little niche one that a friend of mine turned me on to. It's Texas Silver Star Texas Honey Liqueur. And it's essentially like a honey whiskey. But uh, I had it before I had any of the, i have seen any of the ones that
2: the major brands had done. It's very good. And it's made in Texas. Yep. Well, um, fairly recently, uh, I mean, I've heard of these guys before, but until fairly recently, I hadn't um, actually sampled any of their wares. Um, But my brother turned me on to them. It's the Ranger Creek Distillery uh, out of San Antonio. And um, they've got a, fine selection of many different whiskeys um everything i've had from them has been very good um and recently found out that they have a very limited batch of brisket whiskey Mm. and i'm looking forward to trying that out is that a sipping whiskey um i think most whiskeys uh yeah (laughs) i I would say it's a sipping whiskey well i don't think
1: you'd make like a briskety, old-fashioned or something. I mean, you're really just going to enjoy yeah. it for its brisket it was.
2: It's been made yeah. with actual dehydrated brisket.
1: Oh, my God. So Meat whiskey. Mm. <sighs> Look forward to, to trying that out, hopefully. This sounds like some kind of nightmare ride at the State Fair <laughs> food pavilion. <laughs> <laughs> In 1974, artist and entrepreneur George Coulomb had a dream and that dream was to establish a renaissance festival on the site of an old strip mine in south-central Texas. As a young man from Salt Lake City that received an art degree in Southern California, Coulomb began attending the early renaissance fairs in that region while apprenticing with stained-glass artists. He first tried to establish his own fair in Utah, but the Mormon church authorities were reportedly very nervous about the apparent lunatics, quote, waving swords, quoting Shakespeare, and carrying on. Coulomb moved his business to Minnesota in 1969, but hassles with local bureaucracy and his landlord caused him to sell it and embark on a countrywide search for a better location.
0: Now soon, George Coulomb came across a site between the small towns of Magnolia and Plannersville, which are located about 45 minutes northwest of Houston. When they got there, he knew he'd found his new home. There was just three stages on 15 acres, and the first year had only a handful of vendors plying their wares on blankets, there were a few improv-style shows, and a mere only 33,000 people came, uh, trying to escape the modern world and to walk through this slice of history. Uh, Not not very successful, I guess, with only 33,000 people showing up. But since then, hardly a year has gone by without Coulomb adding an attraction or two.
2: Over time, as patronage and demand grew, the festival added on... Uh, Additional sections like the Sherwood Forest, the Jousting Arena, and the King's Feast Hall, to name just a few. Uh, The festival grounds have enlarged and now total over 60 acres with eight differently themed villages, including one themed around Germany, another Spain, and there's even an Italian village. Adjacent to the festival grounds, they have a 200-acre campground for festival visitors and performers. This growth was no accident either. As he was quoted in a 1999 article from Texas Monthly, Quote, Everything I got, I copied from Walt Disney. Uh, Coulomb had read a book about Disney and did his best to emulate that man's desire to build a happy escape from the outside world. One of Disney's mistakes, Coulomb decided, was not taking measures to prevent encroachment by the suburbs around Disneyland and limiting its growth. Coulomb, who is known as King George to his staff, decided his remedy was to buy up as much of the land around his festival grounds as possible. He even ended up establishing his own town, Todd Mission, which he named for an actual mission that used to be in that area. He's also the mayor of Todd Mission. In total, he's got about 1,200 acres, and uh, that includes a pick-your-own-fruit orchard where you can go and pick apples and um, all sorts of other fruit.
1: A visit to Texas RenFest, as it's known colloquially, is filled with fantasy and wonder. The look of all the shops and buildings is mandated to be in the Tudor era style, save for special venues like the Greek Revival theater. And staff and vendors are required to speak in what's known as "quote, King's English." Lots of milords and miladies, privies, thines, and thous. More than 500 actors are employed to mix with the crowd and enhance the scenery from families of peasants to King Henry VIII and his fourth wife, who preside over the daily feast. Every day at noon, you can observe the Grand Marsh as the king and his court trek through the grounds. The Joust,
0: which is performed four times a day, remains one of the most popular shows. Local ranchers began performing the jousts in the second year of the festival when they claimed they could do better than those lily-livered Hollywood stuntmen that were originally contracted the role. Quote, they may have had some trouble with the king's English, Gullam said, but... They put on a damn good show. Today, The Joust is put on by the critically acclaimed Hanlon Lee's Action Theater in the Arena, built in
2: 2003. Attendance has continued to grow over the decades, along with the the grounds. There's been uh, new permanent attractions added, like the Birds of Prey falconry show and the King's Feast. And they draw over 600,000 visitors throughout its nine-weekend season, which runs through the end of September through uh, middle of November. In addition to the normal themes of the Renaissance medieval life, they now feature nine different themed weekends celebrating different aspects of culture. Uh, These include Oktoberfest, the pirate adventure, and a Scottish-themed highland fling. In order to extend their reach, they've also introduced the TRF After Dark for the late night hours. Uh, This is an adult-oriented, quote, evening of magical decadence that's open only to patrons uh, age 21 and up and uh, include things like a burlesque show, Cirque du Soleil-style performance, and a live set every Saturday night from DJ Oberon. Uh, Costumes are encouraged to fit the different themes. They have a different theme every weekend, uh, like a masquerade ball, uh, Once Upon a Time, which celebrates uh, characters from literature, and even a Studio 54 theme. It seems a bit anachronistic, but uh, I guess when you're just throwing a party every weekend, you want to keep it interesting.
1: For 12 years now, the Texas Renaissance Festival has been putting on their School Days event for two days in November. They open their gates during the week to welcome public, private, and homeschooled children and their teachers to experience the authentic reproduction of a 16th century European village. They interact with costume actors representing the citizenry and culture of the period, enriching the education of the students as they learn about the literature, art, and technological advances of the era.
0: The entertainment is not the only aspect of the festival that's grown. Since 1974, those few vendors plying their wares on blanket have exploded into nearly 300 shops, as in ye old shop. Their goods run the spectrum from mundane categories such as glasswork and leatherwork to the more exotic lotions and potions, whimsies, and for your castle. If you didn't arrive in costume, there's at least 50 places to buy clothes, jewelry, and other adornments for your historically themed alter ego. Now, if it's your desire, there will be, if it's your desire, there's also nearly 20 vendors hawking weaponry of all shapes and sizes.
2: Now, what perchance must one do to fill one's belly while at the Texas Renfest? In addition to the exclusive and extravagant six course King's Feast, for which you must generally book in advance because it's very popular, uh, there are many other purveyors of fine foodstuffs all over the grounds. There's a huge menu, and there's stuff spread all over the park. Now, in addition to the iconic turkey leg, which uh, when you think of a Renaissance festival, that's the first thing that comes to my mind, walking around munching on a turkey leg. You can also find things like Irish nachos, fish and chips, the Conquistadors bread bowl, and the sausage on a stick. There's tons of other stuff, though. I mean, I, I, I could list all the many things that they have to eat, but uh, I'd recommend you just go to their website and look at the menu because they've got a lot of good stuff. And while it is
1: the longest-running and largest, the Texas Renaissance Festival is not the only festival of its type in the state. In April and May, you can attend the Scarborough Renaissance Festival in Waxahachie. The Sherwood Forest Fair descends on McDade, just east of Austin, in February and March. They have a 23-acre site with 100 permanent medieval-style buildings, which is really something that other festivals can't match for realism and authenticity. Just south of Fort Worth in Hillsborough, you can find the middle fair on weekends during November. They're a small but well-presented attraction that also hosts the Texas Pirate Festival in June. Ah, Arr.
0: <laughs> Arr, it be hot here! <laughs> well, whether you're young or old, a dirty hippie or a straight-laced homebody, the Texas Renaissance Festival probably has got something that will interest, entertain, delight... Or, at the very least, feed you. Now, maybe all of those things at the same time. So, we're set now to begin its 43rd season. And it has become an annual destination for hundreds of thousands of people. And it shows no sight of shutting down anytime soon.
2: So, I think I'm the only one of we three that's been to the Texas Renaissance Festival. Am I correct?
0: Yes. I came close to going one year when I was in high school and wasn't able to go.
2: Yeah, so it was definitely something that uh, I attended first in high school. The Rinfest was something that we looked forward to every year in our Thespian Troop. Uh, it was one of our group outings. Um, you can go in costume or not in costume. It doesn't matter. Um, it's just a lot of fun to go and, and wander around and, and see these shows. I, it definitely has grown over the years. Um, we've actually have got tickets for uh, my family to go this this year. Uh, this will be the first time that I've been in fifteen plus years, so um, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of the the new stuff that they built. But um, yeah, it's really neat to read the um, you know read about some of the history of it and how it got started and how it was just this little um, you know this little former mining site that was transformed into this uh, big festival ground.
1: Well, I didn't realize it was such a large scale in terms of the the place. I have not been probably because nobody's ever invited me. Uh <laughs> No, I have you really friends like, "Where are you guys off to?" "Oh, we're going to the Rin fair. We're going to the Scarborough fair. We're going to the Rin Scar fair." But um you know, I know people that really enjoy it, get into it and it's kind of a fun thing. But yeah, it's it's neat like this kind of interesting fellow showed up and said, "Uh like all all the stories of Texas, I'm going to build something. I went to Texas, got a lot of land, and then I just built it. Whether mm-hmm. it's a dinosaur park in Moscow, or it's a re- <laughs>
0: Renaissance festival in the woods, or uh, the uh, or an authentic replica of the Shakespeare's Globe Theater in Odessa, of all places. Yeah, so they, about-
2: they've actually got a a. Globe Theater at the Texas Renfest. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. not as authentic as the one in Odessa, but mm-hmm. um, they also have a Stonehenge
0: in Odessa. So, you know, yeah.
2: um, there's not and, a lot in
0: Odessa. So it's like, well, people, you we need something to keep people here. So <laughs> Globe Theater, Stonehenge, that's it. That's all we got. <laughs> Sand. Anyway. Um, now, I, you know, when when I was in high school, you know, Magnolia, you know, growing up near College Station, you know, Magnolia, Plannersville was, you know, an hour and a half away. So, you know, several people that I knew would go down there. And then in college, uh, a lot more people, since we went to college in Dallas, a lot more people seem to know a little bit, a lot more about the Scarborough Fair Festival in Waxahachie.
1: Yeah. Now,
2: one of the things that I like about the, uh, the Texas Rune Fest is that, um it's in the fall. So there there's a much greater chance that temperatures will be much more tolerable. Mm-hmm. So um whether or not you're in costume, it's a lot more um comfortable than walking around in the near summer heat of the yeah. Scarborough Fair.
0: Yeah, well, and that's true. The good thing is is that, you know, if you're really into all this kind of stuff, Scarborough Fair is in the spring, late spring, and uh Renfest is in the fall. So, you know, you can plan your vacation accordingly uh, yeah. so that you can attend both without without worrying about conflict.
2: Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's one of the interesting interesting things about all of these in Texas is the way they're staggered throughout the year. Um, a lot of the performers um, work at all of these and a lot of the shop owners have shops in each one of these, these spares. Um, and okay. I, there's actually, um, I know at least one person that I went to high school with that I think still performs regularly at the Texas RenFest. So um, what is would be interesting, though, is if they had um, authentic Texas Renaissance-era attractions. Well, the Conquistador thing sounds kind of like something that might be <laughs> relatively. Uh, Could <laughs> be, but it wouldn't be nearly as compelling no. as a Cabeza de Vaca walk. Yes. Um, yes. I you know. think that yes. would be, <clears throat> if my memory
1: serves, of that episode of history, uh, that would be the most horrific and terrifying, <laughs> you know, multiple year-long adventure. And yeah.
0: naked. You'd be naked the whole time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, walk, uh, naked and Barefoot like walking across it. Texas sounds like no fun to me.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want to see the
2: lost Frenchman. That's that's what I want like to see. <laughs> Find the Lost Frenchman. It's one the of the new Frenchman. games in Sherwood Force.
0: <laughs> or or even the, the even better game, is it a Frenchman or a Spaniard? Yeah. You know, from from the from the from the Native American perspective of of sixteen hundred is are they French or they, it's like they all look the same to the to the to the Native Americans of they're to the Coyotheicans and the Karankawas. they're all white invaders I would say they're all white devils yeah exactly uh, yeah. so uh, some interesting things uh, I did find out while we were talking Irish nachos are made with potatoes yes. Uh, yes so actually I would like to eat an Irish nacho because I can't eat cornmeal so uh, <laughs> regular nachos are out for me so I'm gonna go with. I, I no longer find this culturally insensitive. I find it digestively fascinating.
2: Yeah. Um, one of the other things that I've really, I, I hope they're still there. Um, in the Spanish village, uh, there is a food vendor that I remember that sold these little uh, empanadas that were delicious. So mm. I'm looking forward to that. There's actually a furniture store. Um, oh, I forget the name of it, but they, this man and this man and his wife um, basically they spend most of the year sourcing and finding all these exotic pieces of furniture and, and art pieces and then like at the beginning of the show, this isn't one of the articles that we'll link to. Um, they collect all these interesting items and then they send out they have a mailing list of, of their, um, special return customers and they, and they have like a special two day sale but they say they gross like five or six hundred thousand dollars every year um, you know throughout the, the, the season um, just selling these things that they, they've acquired through the rest of the year um, so I think that's interesting That another interesting thing is uh, the park itself they basically the the shop owners are able to construct and build whatever they want for their shop, as long as it looks, you know, follows the guidelines in their handbook and, and adheres to that, you know, vaguely Tudor type, you know, half timber style.
1: It is ye old homeowners association. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you know, Something I've along never, those lines. <laughs> you know, I've never been, uh, I've always wanted to go, I, I'm a little, uh, I'm a little, uh, um uh, Leary. skewed. Well, yeah, I'm a little skewed in my perception of of rena- Renaissance festivals because um, if they wanted to truly be accurate, everyone would be covered in in filth, uh, which is a nice <laughs> way of saying it. Uh, everyone well, would completely be covered in filth and 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 ridden with disease. Um, yeah. But well, um, the other thing is that is that you know Renaissance is a mis- misnomer. You know, you said uh, you know interestingly they even are going to have an Italy one. Well, truthfully, the only accurate Renaissance festival should be you know centered around things Italian because uh, to quote Neil Gaiman from the Sandman book, yeah, uh, you know, the only people that actually knew the Renaissance was going around was a bunch of ponzi Italian nobles who were convinced that they were reliving the golden age of the Greeks, so uh, it would really more accurately call the. Uh, Tudor England festival, but that doesn't sound as good as Renaissance festival. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, well, and I always took issue. I also always took issue with the with the the jousting until I was read about Henry the Eighth, uh, and he jousted. It was still a practice that the nobility did for entertainment, even up into the the fifteen hundreds and even into the sixteen hundreds. So. It 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 actually is appropriate. It's not; they're not knights and things, but it is appropriate that this is this was an, it is used as an entertainment. So I I, I stand down on the uh, uh, the position of
2: the jousting is an anachronism. Wow.
0: However, you're <laughs> correct. You are correct. Studio Fifty Four is definitely. An
2: anachronism. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the whole idea of Renaissance fairs actually came um, started become popular in the United States in the. The 60s, mm-hmm. and um, naturally, um, but it ba- people basically um, tend to use it as an excuse to dress up in costume and um, you know reenact different eras of history. It's called the Renaissance Festival, but people, you know, will will push that and be like, "Well, really, I'm medieval," you know, and uh, it's just kind of a an excuse to to play make believe. And it it can be a lot of fun. Like I said, whether or not you're in costume, I've been in costume and out of costume, and it it doesn't really matter. It's just fun to go walk around and um, see some of these things. Some things are more accurate than others. Um, I mean, you can't uh, argue that the blacksmith that's uh, hammering out, you know, ironworks there in front of your face is not authentic. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you you see it there right in front of you. Um, one of my favorite shows is always the uh, the birds of prey, where they bring out the falcons and the the owls and the, they've got a vulture, at least they used to. Um, well, know. that
0: would be that would be cool because that 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 show is no longer at the State Fair of Texas. So, uh, I would really enjoy seeing that show yep. at the Renaissance. As well, I I you know I, I've always heard you know knowing people that have gone for years and that were especially lived in that area, uh, uh, you know, down there Magnolia Plantersville area. Um, the stories about when they first started and, you know, into the seventies and eighties as it was growing and all these people were coming down into these, these little, these little towns in, in, uh, South central or central East Texas. Um, <laughs> some of the, uh, the old timers and the old farmers and, and, and stuff would, Kind of raise an eyebrow at these, these 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 dirty hippies coming in here in their costumes to s- sit outside in the sun for three days or four days or a week and do their weird stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but they yeah, but they did but, accept it. They accepted it, and they were like, "Well, okay, this is people yeah, coming and in that- and."
2: The I Texas Renaissance Festival is, is a big deal. It's a big draw in that yes. area of the state. Um, right. There's actually now several hotels and resorts that have packages built around coming to visit the the Renfest, So
0: and, and a lot of people go out there and camp as well. So Yeah, yeah. And,
2: um, um, they yeah you go and do that, and they've actually made a lot of improvements to their campgrounds. Um, used to be very, very primitive, but now they've got restrooms and a convenience store and, and all sorts of other amenities there.
0: Well, if they had not improved it, it would be a lot more authentic.
2: <laughs> but it's about uh, the air of authenticity without yes. the filth, I think. Yes, exactly. Renaissance without the filth. There you and go.
0: hopefully hopefully, they're not affected by the uh, the the flooding or anything. Yeah, that. you know,
2: as I was... Uh, I, I had done most of the research for this before the the storm was a factor, but yeah, yeah. Um, as we're recording this, uh, we're at the, the tail end, um, in Texas at least, of uh, Hurricane Tropical Storm Harvey. And uh, all of the Houston area and southeast Texas in general was affected by that storm. And uh, so I'm, I'm sure they got a lot of rain, but uh, I have not so far heard uh, how that's going to affect their, their ground since they're about a month away at this time from, uh, from opening up for the season. So hopefully they'll be open on time and everyone will uh, be able to go and enjoy it. Huzzah!
1: That wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two N's. And I'm Scotticus. You love this show, you love Texas, and you love ye olde Renfair. Tell your friends and leave a review on iTunes, because that helps us out to find listeners just like you. If you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash Podcast, where you, too, can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. And keep an eye on texaspodcast.fm, our new home that we'll be moving the show to soon. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.